Hey, it's your buddy AJ from the Wife Files. And Hecklefish. Right, and Hecklefish. We just wanted to tell you that if you want to start a podcast, Spotify makes it easy. It'd have to be easy for humans to understand it. Will you stop that? I'm just saying. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts from your computer. I don't have a computer. Do you have a phone? Of course I have a phone. I'm not a savage. Well, with Spotify, you can record podcasts from your phone, too. Spotify makes it easy to distribute your podcast to every platform, and you can even earn money. I do need money. What do you need money for? You're kidding? I'm getting killed on Guppy support payments. These three ex-wives are expensive. But you don't want to support your kids? What are you, my wife's lawyer now? Never mind. And I don't know if you noticed, but all Wi-Fi's episodes are video, too. And there's a ton of other features, but... But we can't be here all day. Will you settle down? I need you to hurry up with this stupid commercial. I got a packed calendar today. I'm sorry about him. (laughs) Anyway, check out Spotify for Podcasters. It's free, no catch, and you can start today. Are we done? We're done, but you need to check your attitude. Excuse me, but I don't have all day to sit here and talk about Spotify. Look, this would go a lot faster if if you would just let me get through it without... In December 1990, in a remote village above the Arctic Circle, two Russian scientists embarked on a daring experiment. Their goal was to enhance human superperception, or ESP. They built a device that could shield subjects from electromagnetic interference and amplify their biological energy. The device was a large tube of rolled aluminum with a chair inside. As soon as the device was built, strange phenomena occurred around the village. Disc-shaped lights hovered around the lab. Balls of energy appeared and disappeared. The northern lights became so bright and vivid that they seemed to have physical shape. Inside the lab, anyone who approached the device felt an unexplainable sense of dread. It took a long time to persuade anyone to try it. When the first subject finally sat in the chair, a flash of energy erupted that stunned everyone in the lab. The device worked, but maybe it worked a little too well. Not only did it boost people's psychic abilities, it also enabled them to view any place in the world. And soon, they could view any place in time. In fact, these experiments confirmed a theory first proposed in the 1950s, that time as we know it doesn't exist. The man did as the scientists told him. He stared at the curved wall of the aluminum chamber and tried to picture the ancient symbols that he studied before entering. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What what, man? What what chamber? What what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about a study done in 1990 using a Kazarev mirror. Then why not just say that? Well, I was trying to paint a picture, you know, theater of the mind. Theater of the mind? Yeah. Okay. Stupid. Okay, that's enough. Just tell the people what's happening. I'm trying to tell them, but you won't let me tell them because you keep interrupting. The man had trouble concentrating. The more time he spent in the chamber, the more he felt an overwhelming sense of fear. It was instinctual. It was primal. Every fiber of his being told him that he needed to leave the machine now and never come back. Then there was the dizziness and nausea. He felt a deep, permeating sickness everywhere. Dr. Trevomov and Dr. Kaznachev, the scientists in charge of the experiment, told him this was common and that if he could push through it, he would be okay. There were a lot of volunteers taking place in the study in multiple sites in Russia. They communicated freely and openly, and they all had similar experiences. After an hour, the nausea started to ease. His dizziness became something that felt like floating. And the feeling of overwhelming fear became a feeling of overwhelming calm. His warped reflection in the shiny concave wall started to fade. Though that wasn't the right word. 
Then he realized the wall was translucent. He could see through it. But this aluminum chamber was in a small concrete lab in a remote village in the Arctic Circle. But that's not what he saw through the wall. Whatever it was that he was seeing, it was a sunny day. He could hear birds and children playing. The more he relaxed, the more vivid this vision or experience or whatever this was became. Then, without any effort at all, he was through the chamber wall and into the vision. It was like he was there. It felt real. And even though he knew this was impossible, his instincts told him he was there. Next, he found himself floating behind a child, maybe five or six years old. He got closer and saw this was a boy walking on a sidewalk somewhere. The man tried to look around to get a sense of where he was, but he couldn't tell. It was like the edges of his vision were smeared. But the boy, the boy was in focus. Then the boy stopped. The man floated closer and recognized the boy's shoes, and he felt a wave of nostalgia. The boy's clothes, too, were familiar. The boy turned around, and the man felt electricity surge down his spine. The boy was him at five years old. The surroundings now came into focus. He was a few blocks away from his childhood home. The sounds became clearer. He could hear distant traffic that he knew was from a busy intersection a half mile away. The sound of children playing was coming from a park nearby. He turned and saw the park and familiar faces playing. Without realizing it, his small aluminum chamber faded away, though he still had a sense that he was connected to it somehow, somewhere. And after a few seconds of contemplating this experience, the man realized that the boy seemed to be watching him. But that wouldn't make sense. The day the man stepped into was 30 years ago. But then the boy said, who are you? In an instant, the man snapped back to the present day. The portal closed and the vision ended. That was the end of the mind, huh? Yes. Mm, Not bad. That experience and dozens of others are documented in the case notes of this study. And that one isn't even the strangest. As far as scientists go, Nikolai Kozarev isn't exactly a household name. But in the early 20th century, he was a prominent Russian physicist whose innovative and controversial theories are still debated today. Kozarev made discoveries in astrophysics that were at first rejected, but later proven true. In 1958, he reported volcanic activity on the moon. At first, this claim was dismissed by the scientific community. Later, the Apollo lunar missions proved Kozarev was right. What? Moon landing was fake. Well, the volcanism was photographed by unmanned missions to the moon. Hmm, okay. But later confirmed when astronauts brought moon rocks back to Earth. Fake! They filmed the moon landing on a soundstage in Burbank, California. The rocks are probably from the parking lot or some hippie hiking trail. Volcanic rocks? Yes. In Burbank? Yes. Near the movie studios? Yes. Anyway, Kozarev conducted extensive research on variable stars, stars that change brightness. He claimed stars emit torsion fields, an idea that was controversial. Now, torsion is a cornerstone of Kozarev's work. And if his theories are proven correct, he might have solved, well, everything. Torsion, in simple terms, is the twisting of an object due to an applied torque, like wringing out a wet cloth. That's torsion in action. In theoretical physics, torsion is the twisting of space-time itself. You've heard of Einstein's theory of relativity, which describes gravity as not a force, but as the warping or curving of space and time by mass and energy. Now, this is always shown with the rubber sheet example. Imagine a rubber sheet stretched out that if you put a bowling ball on it, representing a massive object like a planet or a star, it'll create a dip or curve in the sheet. 
Then if you drop marbles onto the sheet, representing smaller masses, they roll toward the bowling ball. That's general relativity. Now the Einstein-Cartan theory upgrades this theory with a new feature, torsion, where the rubber sheet or space-time can be completely twisted. And to understand torsion, imagine you're holding one end of a slinky. What walks downstairs, a loner in pairs, and makes a slinkity sound. A spring, a spring, a marvelous thing. Everyone knows a slinky. Great, now that's going to be in my head all day. It's fun for a girl or a boy. <laughs> anyway, if you pull the ends of a slinky or a spring, it doesn't just bend, it also twists. In a similar way, the Einstein-Cartan theory proposes that the fabric of space-time doesn't just curve due to mass and energy, it can also twist. This twisting, according to Einstein, comes from the spinning of subatomic particles. But Kazarev said that torsion is not caused by particles, it's caused by time. Uh... Stick with me. Mainstream science says space is empty, but Kazarev disagreed. He claimed there's an invisible medium that fills the universe that he called the ether. The idea of the ether has been around since ancient times, but was mostly abandoned after 19th century experiments failed to detect it. But just because it wasn't detected doesn't mean it's not there. Think about birds flying in the air or fish in the water. These creatures need mediums to live and move. I prefer not to be called a creature, but uh, I won't be a snowflake about it. Go on. So what about light traveling from a distant star to your eye? What medium does it move through? Well, mainstream science says it moves through nothing. Kozarev said that's impossible. The medium is the ether. But the ether is not a static, passive medium. It's dynamic and interacts with everything. And time is not a passive dimension. Time possesses energy and structure. And this time energy flows through and interacts with the ether. Just like a school of fish creates waves and ripples in water, time creates ripples or waves of torsion in the ether. Hey, it's not the size of the fish that counts, it's the motion of the ocean. You know what I'm saying, fellas? <laughs> Kozarev believed time is a physical force, actively participating in the universe's existence. Time is the heartbeat of the universe. It creates energy that impacts matter and space. And because time has a physical structure and energy, it could have different densities. Time can move at different speeds. Time can be sped up, slowed down, and can even move in reverse. We perceive time as a river. In our daily life, we're floating down this river with the current of time carrying us from the past, through the present, and into the future. But a river influences the landscape it flows through and the life that grows around it and in it. Time is the same. Time energy influences everything, like gravity and electromagnetism. Time also influences physical matter, including the Earth and the people who live on it. Time energy influences the spin of galaxies and the orbits of planets. Time energy feeds every star in the universe and influences the way they shine. But time energy also influences the weather on Earth, the way plants grow, and how your DNA decided what color your eyes would be. Now back to our raft. If you're in a raft on a river and you do nothing, you'll float along with the current. But with a little effort, you can paddle the raft to go faster down the river. You can make the raft stop. Though it takes work, you can also go backward against the flow of the river. And Kazarev said time works the same way. We only perceive time at our current point as we float along. But the river behind us is still there. We pass through it, but it's still back there. And the river ahead is there too. We're not aware of it until we get there, but it's still up there waiting for us. Time, like the river, is always there. Past, present, and future all at once. 
When the torsion from time energy ripples through the ether, that information is transmitted instantaneously everywhere. The past, the present, and the future. And Kazarev proved it. He conducted experiments with pendulums and gyroscopes to detect torsion fields and time energy. Using a telescope, Kazarev found a star. The light from the star is really from the past, right? The light from a star 10,000 light years away takes 10,000 years to get here. Fine. Kazarev detected torsion from that star 10,000 light years away. So that torsion was also from the past. Next, Kazarev calculated where the star was at the current time. He detected torsion there too. In fact, the reading was much higher than the previous test. This means not only is torsion real, it moves much faster than light. It's instantaneous. Kazarev went a step further. He calculated where the star would be in the distant future. He detected torsion there too. Kazarev concluded that all time is simultaneous and infinite, that past and future are just metaphors. There is no past or future. There's only now. He also believed an interaction occurs between time and the human brain. That's why there are concepts such as intuition or foresight. This is human consciousness tapping into time energy. But time can also be influenced by human consciousness, by thoughts and by feelings, which can affect the physical world. And because time is a physical energy that can be sped up or slowed down, time can also be concentrated and redirected. Kazarev then unveiled a theory that shocked the world. He said, a mirror can be made that can bend absolutely anything, including time. Time travel is possible through a mirror. And then he built a machine to prove it. Time, according to Nikolai Kazarev, is energy. Light, which is electromagnetic energy, can be redirected with a mirror. Time energy can also be redirected with a mirror. Specifically, Kazarev used concave mirrors. And throughout history, concave mirrors have been used to concentrate light. The ancient Greeks and Romans were familiar with this. They used polished bronze or silver concave mirrors to focus sunlight and create fire for various purposes. These mirrors, known as burning mirrors, were used to light ceremonial torches and even ignite sacrificial fires. Some mirrors were even used as weapons by reflecting sunlight onto enemy ships that set them on fire. During the medieval and renaissance periods, concave mirrors were used by scientists and alchemists to study optics and the properties of light. Isaac Newton used concave mirrors to concentrate light in his telescopes. Today, concave mirrors are everywhere. They're used in optical equipment like projectors and headlights and searchlights to focus and reflect light. Concave mirrors are also utilized in satellite dishes to collect and focus radio waves for communication. Kazarev said a mirror was capable of bending almost anything. Microwaves, lasers, ultraviolet rays, and even particles from space. And time energy can be focused the same way. Kazarev invented and even patented a device that would focus this energy. It was a thin sheet of metal bent into a spiral using geometry based on Fibonacci numbers, like most naturally occurring spirals are. A spiral, by the way, is the shape that results from torsion. Kazarev tested different metals and found that time energy was most responsive to aluminum. His early prototype could, according to him, bend time at the microscopic level. Through the device, he claimed he could see 10 seconds into the future. It was at this point that the Soviet government classified his research as a state secret. His next experiment was to build a larger version. It would be a capsule with the interior wall entirely covered by this special mirror. Time inside the capsule would move faster. If you were inside, you could see or even visit the future. 
Other scientists throughout history may have intuitively come up with the same idea. Nostradamus had his metal egg, which was nothing more than a wraparound concave mirror. And Nostradamus made his predictions by gazing into a dark bowl of water that he actually called a magic mirror. And of course, a bowl of water is a concave mirror. In one of his notebooks, Leonardo da Vinci sketched what he called the mirror chamber. This was an octagonal room where each of the eight walls were made of mirrors. By the time Kazarev was building this new prototype, the Soviet government was keeping a very close eye on the research. The technology also ended up on the CIA's radar. Of course it did. And then, on February 27th, 1983, Uh-oh. just as he was about to test his new machine, oh, no. Nikolai Kazarev suddenly and mysteriously died. You gotta be f***ing kidding me! The secret research into psychic phenomena by American and Soviet intelligence is not so secret anymore. The most famous American program was Project Stargate. This program explored various psychic abilities, but specifically concentrated on remote viewing, which is trying to visualize a distant target using only the mind. Now, the results of Project Stargate were mixed, but there were a few reported successes. The Soviet Union also engaged in psychic espionage, and they invested heavily in parapsychology and psychic phenomena. And the Soviets, according to declassified CIA documents, seem to have been more successful in their attempts. The project we talked about earlier, led by Dr. Travamov and Dr. Kaznachev, was one of these successes. The program began in December 1990 at the Institute of Experimental Medicine of the Academy of Sciences, Siberian branch. The equipment was assembled at a facility in Dixon, the northernmost settlement in Asia. The main piece of equipment is called a Kazarev mirror, based on Kazarev's research and patents. The mirror is a spiral-shaped metal structure the size of a small closet. It's designed to capture and focus psychic energy in the middle of the spiral. There, the occupant, called a psychonaut, embarks on their psychic journey. At least, that was the plan. As soon as the Kazarev mirror was built, strange events started occurring in the facility and all over the town. And everything is documented in the book Cosmic Consciousness of Humanity by Drs. Kaznachev and Travamov. The book includes interviews with test subjects, transcripts of recordings, and illustrations of everything that happened during the study. It's really interesting and easy to read, and down below is a link where you can check it out for free. Now, as soon as the mirror was activated, the researchers noticed that around the device was an intense field of fear. December 24th, 1990, Ape One. Having entered the room, we felt a kind of emotional pressure, but we kept talking as though we didn't care about it. We just couldn't keep standing around the mirrors. The fear was so strong, more like a wild terror that couldn't be explained. It seemed like a real thing we could touch. None of us had ever had such a feeling before. This feeling of instinctual dread was described by some as something almost physical that you could touch. I had an unpleasant feeling. I felt cold and dizzy. My hands were trembling and my head grew heavy. Even the air of the room seemed different. The fear was so strong, it felt like a substance. It came from the Kazarev space and filled up the whole room. At the beginning of the experiment, nobody wanted to go near the mirror. Once we opened the door, we got scared. It was like coming into cold water. The shiver came up as we got closer to the mirrors. I felt my head grow heavy. As I approached, the fear grew so strong that I was close to running away. Powerful bursts of energy suddenly appeared above the device. The researchers called them plasmoids, 
and the way they describe them, they sound like ball lightning. And outside the building, objects started appearing in the sky. And these were seen by people who worked at the lab, as well as residents of the town. Coming to the lab at 8.30 a.m., I saw a red glimmering circle above the building. It was there for a minute and then gone. At 5.10, I saw a UFO flying from the north. The object had the form of an ellipse radiating red-white light. There were beams of light coming off the object as if it was searching for something. The UFO remained in sight for about four minutes, then the light went off and it was gone. Suddenly I felt a kind of hypnosis. The feeling didn't last long. I saw a white glimmering object which looked like Saturn against the dark sky. Seven different UFOs were seen for months all over the area. Finally, some participants of the study worked up the courage to enter the Kazarev mirror. And that's when things get really strange. Here's how the first experiment works. An operator sits in a Kazarev mirror at the lab in Dixon. Another person sits in a mirror at the town of Novosibirsk, 1,400 miles away. The operator is then told to concentrate on a symbol and send that symbol to the receiver in Novosibirsk. And the results were surprising. On days when the Earth's magnetosphere was quiet, the success rate was between 0 and 10%. But when the magnetosphere was active, like during solar storms, the receiver could successfully detect the image being sent by the operator between 30 and 45% of the time. It seemed like human consciousness was somehow connected to the Earth's magnetic field. Now this completely aligns with Nikolai Kozarev's theory that sunspots and solar weather emit torsion waves that have far-reaching effects. And these waves influence many processes on Earth, from weather patterns to human consciousness. So another experiment was done. This time, two operators in two different Kozarev mirrors in two different cities would concentrate on sending images into the Earth's magnetosphere. Then, 5,000 participants in 12 countries around the world would try to tune into this energy and view the symbol being sent. When the magnetosphere was active, the success rate jumped to 95%. Not only did this shock the scientists running the experiment, but it also shocked the CIA, who had been watching closely. And it turned out that children, specifically female children from spiritual and shamanic families, were extremely good at this. During one test, rather than thinking of an image, the mirror operator just thought of a number. The children were able to receive this number, look up the image, and draw what they saw. For symbol number 63, this is what they drew. And for symbol 32, this was seen. Over the next few months, volunteers learned to tolerate the Kazarev mirror device for longer periods of time. And some people stayed in for seven hours or more. Being inside Kuzarev space, at first I felt my body shaking to and fro. I felt pressure from all around my head grew heavy. Later this feeling went and I, and I felt so light that it was like I was coming out of myself. When they were inside the mirror, they started calling this Kuzarev space. And when they were in Kuzarev space, participants were feeling and seeing the same things. At first I felt my head grow heavy. It was also shaking a bit and then it was gone. I saw people's faces flickering in my eyes. Then I saw black clouds. Then it was like I was falling through a black hole. Almost everyone felt weightless, and then like they were flying. I felt waves coming over my head. Then I felt like there was somebody else in the room. And then there was a, a series of images. In their book, Travomov and Kaznachev included a chart of common experiences. Almost 90% of participants felt like they were flying. 
Most saw outer space, celestial bodies, and even UFOs. During longer sessions, another strange phenomenon was common, visualization and the manifestation of symbols. People started seeing symbols hovering in the air, and they're described as swirling and floating around the room, and each symbol emits an eerie glow like neon. But people weren't seeing these symbols in their minds. The symbols were appearing in the room. Even more amazing, people who were completely isolated from each other were seeing the same symbols. 2,000 distinct symbols were recorded. A linguist researched them and found that 80% of them came from ancient cultures. In fact, the most frequent symbols were from ancient Sumerian. The experiments continued for months and exceeded all expectations. Participants of the study who experienced Khazarev space found that the effects lasted for a long time after leaving the mirrors. People were thinking more quickly, scoring higher on IQ tests. They had increased memory capacity. They were more creative. Some people had illnesses that were completely cured. Doctors Travomov and Kaznachev believed this technology was a breakthrough that could elevate all human consciousness if the technology was handled carefully and responsibly. The scientists were very aware that using Kazarev mirrors to activate superhuman abilities could be dangerous. The CIA shared the same fear. There was also another issue that had them worried. It turned out that when people were in Kazarev space, they weren't alone. The more time people spent in Kazarev space, the more they realized they were all having the same experiences. 75% of people saw UFOs, 70% saw extraterrestrial buildings, and 68% of people felt the presence of intelligent entities in Kazarev space. They started calling these entities the observers. I felt a kind of discomfort which then turned into fear. I felt I had something cold right on my neck. I had a feeling somebody was watching, so I was afraid to open my eyes. This observer could physically interact with people within Kazarev space. I closed my eyes. I wanted to sleep, but all of a sudden I felt somebody touching my hand. My body shivered with fear. The observers were consistently described as humanoid, but not human. They were very bright, like made of light. No one was able to make out any features. Being inside Kazarev space, at first I felt nothing at all. In a few minutes, I saw a human shape. It was white all over. In 30 seconds, it was gone. On a few occasions, an observer actually communicated. Between the mirrors, I felt my head jerk and something appeared. I was asked, who's that man with you? I explained that he was a scientist. Then I asked them, who are you? No answer came. I asked them, can you be seen? And I saw human shapes. I saw shining lights. I heard a voice asking me, what do you want? I answered, I want to meet you. I only remember one word of the answer, league. Most participants found communicating with the observers to be an unpleasant experience. I saw a device with lights and an egg-shaped object. This ran in my mind, come up. I answered, I don't want to, I have fear of you. Then it was gone. I saw a face. It wasn't that of a human. I got scared. I was dizzy. I felt my head rolling around slowly. There were flashes of light. I asked who was there. The answer was, I have no face. I am nothing and everything. Then I saw the eyes. The eyes were not very kind. A few people saw more than UFOs in the sky. They saw UFOs from the inside. 
I saw a light on which I could manage to get to a flying craft. It was a black hemisphere. I saw a few doors. I opened one door and found the beings looked human, but, but of smaller size. I asked them what they were doing, and they answered they kept watching us. I asked them where they were from. They said they came from a big star. And one observer had a disturbing prediction for Earth. My body got relaxed and light. As soon as I closed my eyes, I saw an object flying above. Then I was in a room I hadn't seen before. A man was standing in the center of the room. His face wasn't seen. He began to speak slowly. Your planet is in danger. It is suffering. You have been in the mirrors too much. It's bad. Then he said, there may be a disaster. I asked him when. No answer came. Now, it's unclear whether this observer actually saw the disaster in the future or was just saying that we're on a path to disaster. But time travel was experienced by over 40% of the participants. Now, most of those experiences were the person at various stages of their life. Some view their life like watching a movie. Others were actually able to interact with and participate in their life in the past. Also, there were many people who observed or participated in historical events. One woman remembers being an advisor to Genghis Khan. Another felt his consciousness transfer to someone in the Middle Ages. Another to the Roman Empire. Remember, Nikolai Kazarev believed that time was energy. And he believed that time energy could carry information to and from the physical world. Information was specifically abundant when objects change their state. For example, when water freezes solid and then melts and then turns into steam, this changing of state is very effective at encoding time energy. The site in Deakson was chosen for a few reasons, but one of those was permafrost. The researchers believed that when the water in the Arctic froze, information from that time it was frozen stayed trapped in the ice. And when the ice melted, that time energy was released. They thought some people may have tapped into this time energy, which gave them access to different points in time. Now, all this research is documented and available, and it's linked below. I'll also link to a Russian documentary that covered this pretty well. Now, doctors Kaznachev and Travomov continued their work with Kazarev mirrors for years and achieved an incredible amount of success. But despite the support of the Soviet and Russian governments, mainstream science journals wouldn't publish the work. In the West, research into Kazarev mirrors has been completely ignored by everyone. Except the CIA. Right. Within the past couple of years, the CIA has released a few documents showing that they were following this research very closely. And it's been alleged they've conducted their own research into Kazarev mirrors. There's one last document in the CIA database that covers Kazarev mirrors and the potential for this technology to unlock human psychic abilities and awaken human consciousness. But that document, despite many freedom of information requests, remains classified. The research done in Siberia in the 90s using Kazarev mirrors is amazing, but is it true? Well, it's a difficult story to debunk. On one hand, mainstream science doesn't take any of this seriously. On the other hand, major intelligence agencies do. Dr. Kaznachev and Dr. Trevomov published their research in detail. They've given plenty of interviews. They say all of this happened and they don't seem to be lying. And why lie? Remember, their early research was funded by the Soviet state and lying to that government seems unwise. But if their technology works, why isn't it more widespread? You absolutely can buy Kazarev mirrors. You can buy blueprints to build your own. The process is well documented. There are even a couple of patents. The materials are not that expensive. 
still, it's a technology that's way on the fringe. Now, whether you believe in the Kazarev mirror or not comes down to, do you believe Nikolai Kazarev's theory about time energy and the ether? Mainstream science doesn't believe in anything called the ether. But if instead of ether, Kazarev called it dark matter or quantum foam or emergent space, maybe more people would have accepted his ideas. But Kazarev had a few ideas rejected by mainstream science that were later proven to be true. What if he's right about this too? But using a mirror to reflect time, that sounds very science fictiony. And it was, until last month. Scientists at the Advanced Science Research Center at the City University of New York conducted an experiment. They sent an electromagnetic wave through a metamaterial. These waves also have a time component that can be measured. The wave went in moving forward and came out moving backward. This is what's called a time reflection. And this was pure theory until now. So Nikolai Kazarev was right. Time isn't as linear as we thought. Kazarev also said time affects everything in the universe physically. Well, Dr. Travamov has been using Kazarev's theories and Kazarev mirrors to predict earthquakes. Again, sounds like science fiction, but geologists' accuracy in earthquake prediction is on average 8%. In 2018, Travamov's accuracy was as high as 61%. According to Travamov, we can use Kazarev mirrors to predict dangerous weather, volcanic eruptions, and even solar storms. Kazarev mirrors could be used to study our solar system or even deep space. We can use it to look for landing sites or help us search for extraterrestrial civilizations. Kazarev mirrors could be used to slow down the rate of aging in the human body and cure incurable diseases. Now, despite all this potential, mainstream science won't take this technology seriously. Travamov and Kaznachev said this technology is so important and so profound that it should be made available to everyone and not left in the hands of an elite few. Kaznachev specifically worried about government or corporations abusing Kazarev technology. And I think it's fair to worry about that, but I also think it's worth the risk. Kazarev's theory, whether real or not, has a great message for humanity, that we're not bound by fate or determinism, but have the potential to shape our own reality with our choices and actions. It reveals that we're all connected to each other and to the universe through subtle fields of energy and information. And I'd like to have access to that information, wouldn't you? I think we, all of us, should download the plans, grab some sheets of aluminum and see what we can discover. Because there are only two options. Democratize this technology so everyone can have access to it, so we can all experiment and exchange knowledge, perhaps allowing the entire human race to take an evolutionary leap forward. Or option two. Kazarev's technology remains classified and under the control of the CIA. Not a hard choice for me. So I don't know what your plans are this weekend, but me, I'm going to Home Depot. Want to come with? Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. My name is AJ. That's Hecklefish. Privyet, Julak. This has been The Y-Files. If you had fun or learned anything, do him a favor and like comment, subscribe, share. I know those things are annoying, but it's just a button and it really helps. And like most topics we cover on this channel, today's was recommended by you. So if there's a story you'd like to see or learn more about, go to thewifiles.com slash tips. And special thanks to our patrons who make all this possible. You guys are amazing and I couldn't do this without you. Now, if you'd like to join an amazing community, consider joining our Discord. It's free to join and it's fun and everybody's great. But if you'd like to support the channel with money, that's helpful too. You can become a Patreon member for as little as $3 a month. But if you'd like to get something you can touch, like stuff, 
buy something for the Wi-Fi store. Oh, grab yourself a Hegelfish t-shirt. I went into the future and found out they're going to be highly valuable collector's items. Is that true? You proved me wrong. That's going to do it. Until next time, be safe, be kind, and know that you are appreciated. <laughs>